Thank you so much for listening to DNVR Biz. For the 95% of you that are listening to this through a mobile device, I would really appreciate it if you opened up that app right now and gave this a five-star review. It's the only way for this podcast to become more visible and reach more people. Thanks again. Welcome to another episode of DNVR Biz. I'm your host, Brandon Spano, because, well, who else would I be? Thanks for hanging out, guys. Another episode here at DNVR Biz. We have a really awesome guest today, Dan Fellman. He's been in this business for a long time, maybe longer than me. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I think I might have beat him to it maybe by a year, maybe even six months. I'm not sure. I started working with Dan way back in like 2010, I want to say, over at Mile High Sports. And uh, he was my producer for a long time. And then Dan went and you know, not only has he worked there, but uh, he's been at Altitude now for the last few years, a handful, of, five years, something like that. We're about to bring him on and get the actual answer. But been in this business for a long time. He's working on a very big project for us that he's producing. He produces this podcast as well. So a good friend of mine and a guy that has some cool stories. So we're excited to bring him on. Let's go to the interview with Dan Fellman. Yeah. My name buzzing, ain't no way you could ignore it I did not come this far so they could ignore me I am not the one to say I'll do it in the morning I'd rather get it done, don't focus on what's not important They try to talk to me like they've been nothing but supportive Appreciate the love but do not show up on my doorstep Hey Dan, what's going on man? Just want to start off by Welcome to the Brandon Spano Show <laughs> That is me, I am him, he is I <laughs> Oh my God! I I started like that, didn't I? Every night. Oh my God, that is <laughs> embarrassing. And then when you were late to the show, that's how I started the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, crazy life for me back then. So let's talk about uh, you know just why don't you just give us your career in a nutshell and then we'll start di- drilling into some specific areas and start from the beginning and all that. Yeah. So as you, uh, you, you mentioned in your lovely intro, you and I started off, I think you were a little bit before me, but I got out of college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I sold cars for a couple of years and I hated it. And <laughs> I decided I actually sold cars too. I yeah. was, uh, I was 19. Yeah. Yeah. Made some pretty good money, but I was just miserable doing it. Yeah. And I finally had that moment where it was like the one thing I always wanted to do was sports. And how do I get into that? And so I went back to school and, you know, got into radio and started off as an intern over at Mile High Sports. Worked my way up there, did about every single job that you could possibly do. Went over to Altitude on the TV side, working in traffic, uh, and then had an opportunity to move back over to KSE Radio. I'm still part of the same company and, and doing that. And along the way, you know, you and I crossed paths again and been helping you out from time to time with some different audio projects. And so... It's been about a decade for me, yeah, which is kind of crazy, but yeah. I love it. I love I love what I'm doing. I'm, I'm growing a lot. You know, my perspective of media and and how to create my voice and creativity and all of that is constantly growing. And working working with you guys on on these projects has been a big part of that. I have this video of you from like 2013 or something or 12. I'm not sure. 
and uh, the fire alarm is going off, and I walk in, and you're wearing this massive hat during yeah. the NCAA tournament. Do you remember that? I do. That was my George Washington hat, because I, uh, I did go to G-Dub, and they had made- G-Dub alum, big time- Dude, this guy, this guy wore a massive G Dub hat for yeah, the it was a foam hat. You couldn't even get through the door with that thing on. It was huge, and <laughs> the reason I wore that to work was the day before, the late great Irv Brown had picked George Washington to lose in the mm, first round. Rest in peace. And so I was giving Irv a hard time, and at the time I was helping out with Irv and Joe's show as well, and so I decided to come into work with that because I knew <laughs> Irv would get a kick out of I it. I can't believe I came in after Irv and Joe saying, boom, Brandon Spano show, I am him, he is I am. <laughs> After Irv and Joe, that's hilarious, dude. And so... Irv got a big kick out of it. Joe got a big kick out of it. And uh, unfortunately, Irv was right, and GW did lose in the first round that year. But a good memory. And, and looking back, you know, any memories that I do have with Irv Brown, I definitely cherish. He's yeah. uh, been a big mentor for me throughout my career, always offering words of advice and encouragement and getting me connected with people, which is something that can't be understated in this industry. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Yeah, you're so right. Irv Brown is a guy that, like, everybody who knew Irv felt like they were really good friends with Irv. You know, like, he made people feel like that, you know? I mean, and, and it was because it was real. Like, every, he did have a real connection with everybody. Yeah, he would always say, like, man, you would have played safety for me and stuff, you know? Or yeah. you would have played line. Well, maybe, depending on different times in my adult life, I think he might have said, you would have played linebacker for me. And then I, one day I was losing some weight. He's like, you might have to go to safety now. But uh, yeah, great guy. You know, the crazy thing about Irv is that uh, Irv was like a, one of the most amazing media business slash sales slash brand extension ever, uh, you know. So like they were, you know, brokered forever, no matter what station they were on. And they had their own little sales team and those they would go out and if they got those deals, Irv and Joe would embrace those companies just to the, I mean, you would see Irv in the mall and he would say, Hey, make sure you call the, well, what's the sprinklers? Smitty sprinklers. Make sure you call Smitty yeah. sprinklers and give you a card. You know, and you're like, I met Irv Brown. I better call Smitty sprinklers. Get my, get my sprinklers tested. You know, I think I, like, I still have a stack somewhere of $10 off coupons at Canopy Airport Park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You see him, hey, make sure you take a, go get a free burger with my buddy. Tell him I sent you. You know, I mean, yeah. just selling his clients. All the time. And, you know, he's known as, on what I would call the front end, as like a radio legend and a TV legend, coaching legend, all these different things. But to me, I think of him that. And, you know, those guys really were big on me seeing like, okay, so this can be done. There's a way to sell this. I always, because I always thought like, okay, there's people are selling this. Like, there's a way to do it. And it took me years to figure it out. Once I did... Then it was then it was over, you know. But yeah, just a Irv Brown thing right there. So let's let's keep going here. So, you know, I was at the Lee Steinberg Sports Conference last weekend as a, on the entrepreneurial panel, and it, it got brought up, you know, pretty much talking about how to get in, and and you know what I said is breaking into the business is the perfect term because you really do have to break in. You know, uh, you can. 
as I've said often, it's, it's easier to become a doctor than it is to grow up and cover your favorite sports team. You can go to school. You know, you, you know that's, there's no credit being taken, right, away from a doctor's, of course. you got to go to school. you got to be really smart. There's a lot of things you have to do. But at the end of the day, there's at least a path. And there's no path into this business, especially right now. No. Um, so, so, so that's what I want to talk to you about. And I know you're chomping at the bit. So tell us how you broke in, you know, how most people should try to cross that threshold and just, you know, kind of your, your entire scope on getting inside of media. So producing this podcast, a lot of the things that I've learned from you, uh, is that, you know, the mindset that you have to have with a startup. And I think breaking into media, you almost have to have a lot of that same mindset where it's going to be tough. You're going to have a lot of rejection. You're going to have a lot of long days, a lot of, you know, not making money up front, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And it's, do you love it? Are you going to put in that work? Are you going to be passionate? Are you going to do all the little things to get you where you want to go? I think there's a lot of similarities between that and what you've talked about on this podcast about, you know, being the CEO of a startup and what you have to go through to do that. For me, I had a lucky in, in the fact that my dad was friends with Mark McIntosh and Mark McIntosh, formerly of CBS here locally. And at the time was hosting a show on Mile High Sports and so Mac and Doog. Mac and Doog, yeah. And so Mac invited me out for coffee so I could talk to him about about the industry and how to get in and stuff like that. And he said, Why don't you come down to the station and meet with Casey Light and we can talk about an internship? So I said, Great. So I went down, I met with Casey. You know, that's the one nice thing about radio is everybody's always looking for interns, mainly because that's a lot of free labor. But I was able to get in and I just wanted to be a sponge and absorb everything that I possibly could. Even though I was a radio intern, I wanted to learn about Mile High Sports Magazine. I wanted to learn about the website. I wanted to hone my writing skills. I wanted to produce. I wanted to edit audio and, and get all of these things. And so you have to put yourself in a position where you can wear multiple hats and do multiple things because... You're not going to walk in and be the next Dan Patrick. It's not happening. There's a lot of talented people in this world, but it's your work ethic that's what's going to set you apart. Yeah. And so by me being able to wear different hats within the radio station allowed me to get my first job as a board op, and then that bumped me up to a, a full-time position and writing for the website, writing for the magazine, managing interns, doing a lot more audio editing and stuff like that. And so it really, you know, it's, it's really about the mindset. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a lot of long hours and it's going to be a lot of sacrifice that you have to make. But if you're willing to do that, then you can come out in this business. Yeah. You know, I, I think that when I think about you know, my time, I, you know, I, I feel like I spent time early on trying to perfect the craft of being a radio talk show host. And then at some point I crossed over into really just being the absolute most concerned about the business side of it. And almost to where the show just became this thing that I had to do because, and that's when I knew that I, you know, and those were late in the days when, I mean, actually that lineup 
in like 2014, I would say was probably like the pinnacle before they lost the signal and everything. Yeah. That was a really, sh- I mean, that was a time where if there was ever a, a chance, I, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm going to say? So yeah. Uh, but, but it just, it didn't happen, but that was a great, I mean, I think it was opening up. It was like Peter Burns and BK and Oren in the morning. And then I came in and Irvin Joe and then Reno and then Eric Goodman and then Zach and Reed Marks had a really great nighttime show. Like that was like a, that was like a really good lineup. It really was. And a lot of people, have, you know, it's been nice to see where some of those people have gone and yeah. done. And, you know, you've talked to about Peter before and, and what he's right. meant to you and, and everything that he's done. And Oren's another great example. Yeah. And, you know, even Eric Goodman, he's, you know, kind of, you talked about that embodiment of what Irv does. Oh, oh totally. Goodman I mean, er, I've told it. Eric to his face, like, I studied everything Eric Goodman did yeah. to, to sell media. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a lot of that to it. And I think I grew up a lot in my time at Mile High Sports. The reason I left, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you have to make those tough decisions. And for me, Mile High Sports is, you know, is a smaller station. I was working yeah. 50, 60 hours a week. I had just got married and we were trying to start a family and buy a house and all these different things. And I just needed more money, uh, I'll be quite honest. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. so that's where the opportunity over at Altitude came. And I've been over there and again, trying to prove myself and do yeah. different things and, yeah. and all of that. I spent some time also teaching at the Colorado Media School. Oh, that's super cool. And yeah, so, I've always yeah. wanted to do something like that as well, yeah. Yeah, I attended the Colorado Media School. That's kind of what got me back in when I, after I sold cars. Okay. And I was like, I got to change this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I went there and had a great time teaching there. And that's actually... You know, what reconnected us was, unfortunately, when I was there, the campus director and I did not see eye to eye on a lot of different things. And <laughs> there was one night, it was just during our break, and I think I was reading some of your stuff on online, reading the website. I think it was still B- It was definitely still BSN at the time. Yeah. And it just made me think, I haven't talked to Brandon in years. I'm looking f- to get out of the school, possibly, you know, let's hit him up and see if, if I can do anything for him. And that's kind of how we reconnected. Right. Right. Yeah. Media is so crazy. You just kind of fly, you know, for, for me, I got to a point where, well, you know, I think for me, what happened was like, I started BSN Denver and once we started like putting together writers and stuff like that and I, I i got this little studio downtown for trade and it came with it was like one of those suites and there's like a receptionist and stuff there and so it made it sound like like when you called it'd be like bsn live it would be like a receptionist would answer and stuff you know and and it was in lodo even though the office was only like 290 square feet or something like that or it might have been 190 it was it was like a closet it's really small but, you know, I just went into work in their building and selling and, and all of the clients that I had at that time, I was doing the weekends on 104.3 The Fan and I was doing the weekdays on Mile High Sports and 
I had even bought some inventory on Fox 31 and their Sunday Night Sports Zone. So I was I was becoming like an agency. Yeah. And like in the sense that I just had these clients that were like buying time uh, in ad inventory that I was selling. And so I, I wanted to. So we built BS in Denver essentially to offer like a digital element to that. And so I was just that was like a bonus value for everybody, just like all stations and, and, and you know. TV and radio does now kind of throws it in his bonus value. But what happened was I loved building that. And then it was, and, and it was like mine and it was, and then when my high sports went off air, I remember f- like for that 30 day show, I called my clients and I said, Hey, we're going to be off air. I'm going to put you on this site. And if you stick with me and you pay and everything, I'm going to take care of you. They all decided to pay. So what happened was I didn't have a, on-air studio bill that month and i still did my full billings i put it back into the company and i think i worked 30 days straight just because i loved it so much and by the time they came back on air and we're like we're ready i was like i'm never going back again and it had nothing to do with mile high sports it could have been it could have been whip in philly which was my dream i tried to go to whip a million times but I was I was done forever, like at least at that time in my head. Yeah, I mean, I remember even when we came back on air, you weren't even doing your show. No, you, we called uh, it BSN Never Sports Desk because I still owned the time slot. Yeah, and put Adam and Josh Dover, Dover in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They so, did a great job. Yeah, uh, and I worked with those guys for a number of years. Still working with Dover now over yeah. at, at Altitude, but yeah, that was a, a pivotal point. And from my perspective, you know. To tell everybody, I'm going to tell a funny Spano story here real quick. <laughs> but when I first started producing your show, we were, you were on from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., Monday through Friday at Mile High Sports. And this is just after I'd gotten promoted to a full-time position. And so my hours were from like noon to midnight or 2 p.m. to midnight, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... It was within that first week, I believe, that I was doing your show. It was the Broncos' fourth preseason game. <laughs> and you. I can't believe I was on air for that you night. You were so mad because James Merrillat, uh, the owner of the company at the time, would not let you take your show off to go to the game. And you said, no, you're doing your show. And so you refused to talk sports. You're like, screw <laughs> it. I'm coming on air. We're going to turn the game on, and I'm just not going to talk sports for two hours. Oh, yeah. We talked ancient aliens. So we talked ancient aliens and all this kind of crazy stuff. (laughs) And it happened to be my dad. uh, My parents normally wouldn't be listening to the radio that late at night, but my dad had just flown in from somewhere on business. So he's driving home, and so he kicked on the radio to see if he would hear his son. And all of a sudden, I'm getting texts like, what the hell is this dude talking about? (laughs) That is and hilarious. so that's always my reference point when I think of you is that day to where you are now and just the growth that you've gone through personally, professionally. <laughs> it's been, you know, very inspiring to see. Oh, thanks, um, man. When, when we first started and, you know, there were times at Mile High Sports where you would just drive me nuts. And yeah. I'm sure I did the same with you. And just you know you be, you're actually you're super chill i don't think you piss anybody off yeah but i mean just being able to to grow and 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 see those opportunities and jump at them and take them and do all the things that that you're doing here has been has been really awesome to see so i tip my hat to that yeah thanks man you know the thing is is 
you know, I mean, first off, like people don't realize, like I was not only was I young when I started in radio. I mean, I got my own show when I was like 28, but I was also I was like young. I, I was like immature, too. So I, I wasn't like like we have 24 year olds here that are like as mature as I am now. Yeah. You know, like I when I was 20, like. I was the same way. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, like when I was 24, I might as well have been 14. When I was 28, I might as well have been like 18, you know? So, like, I brought that attitude and energy of like an absolute, just a kid, kind of. Yeah. And, you know, having beat Twitter beefs and I, you know, talking trash to other shows and like, it was like a rap battle to me. I brought that whole kind of vibe to it, you know? One of my um, favorite things you used to do that always scared me too wasn't was, smart, but it was, was having, it was. you would have all these rappers on to, to oh, yeah. NFL playoffs. Oh yeah, picks. we had the dopest, we had all of the like dopest underground rappers on for those NFL and tournaments. And so I would have to call everybody and say, remember, this is the radio. Please, please do not swear on this. <laughs> and naturally there would be, you know, a few F-bombs dropped here and there. And yeah, the dump yeah. button would get some good work. And if you were yeah. listening online at that time, you, you got some treats. Man, we had some good ones on there. Bun B, Feral Manch, we had Vinny Paz. Oh, man, it was good. Stu Bangas, incredible producer. Um, Scarface. Man, that was, those were cool. Those were super fun. But, yeah, so, I mean, I and, and, and you know, I... I remember them talking to me like, you can't say that on air and me think and me saying like, but it's true and not getting it. Yeah. Totally not getting it. You know, I was the not like this guy doesn't get it. I was that guy like this guy doesn't get it. What's crazy. So, you know, I mean, I think you go through if you have enough shit happen to you, you'll get humble enough to where you'll say like, oh, OK, so this is like what it's like for the rest of my life. If, I, if this is who I want to be like. You know, like I, there got a point in my life where I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to have to switch this up, you know? Totally. Uh, and so, you know, I just said, and I talked about it with Warren on this pod. I just was like, I'm done fighting it. Like I'm done fighting the system and I'm done fighting people and, and I'm done like having a chip and I'm just like, like, fine, here I am. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to follow the rules. And like mentally, not like I was breaking a ton of rules or something or laws or something, but you know what I mean by that? And, and then, and then, so I just went down that path and then I just started healing a little bit and then you start building and then you, you know, and then, and then what happens is you eventually say like, okay, cause you look around, you're like, okay, if I really want to be successful, I want to, what are other people doing? And the one thing I saw is that everyone always had like the best people around them, the smartest people around them. And then I saw, like, in the higher you go, like, even the less decisions they make because they have all these amazing people. And I'm like, well, that's what I wanted. So then that's been really my – the last couple of years is just try to put the absolute best team around me. And now I'm in this spot where I don't even necessarily make a ton of – like, we're bringing on a new uh, a new YouTube channel and podcast feed that we're acquiring. And, like, I'm working all of that on the, like, like, I sent it to somebody to get branded. Eric, who handles all of our branding. And, like, once the show concept comes up, like, he'll talk to Adam and Ryan about, hey, like, this is what we're trying to do at DNVR. Is there any, can you, you know, this is who, this is what we look like. This is what our people are, whatever, you know. But, like... Once that stuff's done, it goes to people that are like much more qualified to do all that stuff than me, you know? And so anyway, 
kind of stealing the show, but that's been just the whole thing there. And so, and that's why you're here is because I wanted to do a really great voice acted, like specialty produced audio series. And I'm like, yo, let's see if Fellman wants to do it. Yeah. I remember meeting about it and you're the type where if you have an idea that you're behind, you get so jazzed about it. <laughs> and I, I've, you've always been that way. And so you're telling me about this. And my first thought is, how the hell are we going to pull this off? And you know, then we l- later met you and I and RK and Oren and had a really great discussion. And, and slowly but surely, I started getting more and more excited about it. And without really giving anything away about this project, I can honestly say it's the coolest thing I've done in my career. It's been so much fun to work on that, you know, I have to physically make myself not do it all at once. I know for me, this is my, this is the most favorite thing that we've ever done also. Like I, I'm every time I listen, like I was listening to this with my son in the car. Once you sent episode three back and he was listening, he was just in, and when it was over, he was like, dad, play the next one. I'm like, we don't have the next one yet. You know? And and he was, or was that four? I'm not sure. But uh, we've only got through three. Yeah. So, so he was, he was like, and I was, we were both at the edge of our seats, you know, and, and uh, it's so good. And I just think to me, I just think it's going to be the biggest thing, you know, but, but I never, I think everything's going to be the biggest thing. So who knows? Yeah. And, and going back to it and talking about professional growth and stuff like that, when I first got into radio, I thought the only way to really make myself have an impact and really make my voice be heard was through vocals with through speaking and and having that personality and being that guy on air. That was always something I aspired to be was to be the guy behind the mic to do that. And while I still have some of those aspirations, it's not quite the same because especially what this project has taught me is that I can have a massive impact and demonstrate my creativity and be just as important to the story without ever speaking a word into a microphone. I think that from RK who's writing and, and Oren who's done an amazing job, all of us together combined I think are, are making this truly special, but being able to go in and, and add everything that I do. I've sent you screenshots of what yeah. the multi-track files <laughs> look like for some of these, but that's where I can still be creative and show my voice without ever having to speak it. And being able to produce like that has just re-energized my career truly has yeah that's so cool man that's amazing and i i just i hope this everyone loves this and then we just keep doing a bunch of these so let's talk about the difference between radio and tv i know in tv you were on the traffic side but just you know how do you look at those two monsters you know one thing that i've i've learned also is without commercials you don't have anything oh, right and right, so right. you would be very proud of the traffic log that we use here at dnvr that we sell podcasts out of yeah we actually built a pod uh, a traffic log I, I did it at the very beginning when we created the network and i i've always wanted to actually show you i'm sure you could probably make it much better yeah i mean there's just so so many intricacies that fall into traffic and and definitely a lot different with tv and radio than what you're doing but of course you it's taught me a lot about the details because traffic is all about the details. You get 
10 ads from Geico and if you don't run them properly, they don't pay you. So that doesn't fall on the salesperson, that falls on you. So you're kind of that last line of defense. So it's really taught me, you know, really to pay attention to the details. I've always considered myself fairly detail oriented, but that being said, you know, there's just that extra stuff you have to pay attention to. You have, you know, in TV and radio, you have four or five different car companies. You don't want those ads running back to back to back. You want to still make the viewing or listening experience for the audience to be as good as possible. And so you kind of keep some of that in mind too, as you're, as you're building these logs and doing these things. TV, it was a great experience for me. We ran not only, you know, Altitude TV, but we had the Outdoor Channel, the Sportsman's Channel, World Fishing Network. We also- Oh, did you work with Kim Carver? I never worked with Kim Carver. I, I heard, th- I obviously heard that podcast. I produce it, but um, <laughs> she she wasn't there when I was there. Okay, okay. And, you know, now there's a Sportsman's Channel in Canada that we run out of Colorado here. And so, you know, just seeing all the work that, that it takes to put all that together is, is crazy. And then now being back over at radio has been a great experience for me. We obviously have Altitude Radio, but also Mix 100 and Cool 105, some, some pretty big stations here in Colorado. And so getting to know... You know, guys like Dom and Jeremy and Mel and Winston. Crocky owns and, Cool 105? Yeah. Wow, all out of the no same idea. building. And and so seeing the difference between music stations and, and talk formats and, and all that stuff has been great. But working with audio has definitely been my, you know, my passion. And so getting over there and being able to do a little bit more with that and still helping out with, with traffic, but having more opportunities, uh, has been great and obviously like I said working the stuff I do for you is definitely also given me that creativity and helped you know just keep me in it because like anything if you if you stop doing it for a while you get a little rusty and so it's been great just doing whatever I can whenever you call me right right so so uh, I want to talk about you know radio on the production side and your experience with that and you know how that correlates to podcast and you know your whole opinion on the audio side of that yeah i think i've gone through a lot of differences in my career just from the different stations i've i've worked with mile high sports as you know as we've talked about you know you broker your own time and so there's not really so much of a station leadership I don't feel like and it's every show doing doing their own thing Mm. but over at at a big brand element there yeah over at altitude you know everybody is connected under that KSC umbrella and so I think Dave Tepper the program director does a phenomenal job you know meeting with all the hosts talking you know having meetings you know prepping these guys you know going over different ideas and stuff like that but I think we've, we've moved, moved the needle in a way, you know, not like we as in just altitude, but we as a society where, you know, it's not so you don't have to be so hot takey all the time and you can have fun on the radio. I think drunk takes is one of my favorite segments now that that's on the radio with Brett Kane, uh, Vic Lombardi and Mark Mosier that they do every Friday. So guys are starting to have more fun with it and not take themselves so seriously doing different things. I think the podcast world has really expanded in that 
you know, it's everything is on demand these days. And so being able to have audio on demand in a form of a podcast is great. And really anything to me has always been about building a relationship with your listeners. And, you know, that's how you build your followership and your trust in them, uh, them to you. And so one thing with podcasts to me that I always told my students when I was teaching that if you're going to do a podcast, that's great, but you have to be consistent because if you're not consistent, that's where you're going to lose people. If you do an episode Monday and Tuesday every week, that's fine. They know a new episode's coming Monday and Tuesday every week. But if one week you're doing one on Monday, next week you're doing one on Thursday, you take two weeks off, you come back, you're never going to build anything that way. So what you've done here with the daily pods and, and everything like that is to me the perfect way to do it in that everybody knows what to expect, when to expect it. They've gotten to know your hosts. They've built the trust in those guys and everybody does a great job. And they, that's, that's how you build that following in that community is that that's where you go to. You're pissed off about the abs. It used to be whenever one of my teams would lose, I wouldn't want to watch sports for a week. You know, when the ball went over Raheem Moore's head, going to work the next oh. day was miserable. Oh, just miserable. Yeah, I was there. But after the Avs lost, lost game one, and I'm super bummed. You know, I turn on AJ's pep talk, and I'm like, "All right, we got yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, AJ, um, man, what a sermon he delivered, huh? Unfortunately, didn't come didn't to fruition work. last <laughs> yeah. night, but yeah, that was fluky, man. Last but night. still, like. That's where that, you know, community element comes in and that trust and that those relationships you build with those hosts, even just from listening to them. And so I think it's great. I think podcasts are great. I think live original content on the radio is necessary and people are always going to have a want and a need for that. But, you know, a lot of people aren't at the radio 24-7 anymore, you know. There are other forms of entertainment and people still enjoy audio. They still want something where you don't necessarily have to be watching TV all, all day. So if you can get a workout in while listening to Zach and Ryan and Mace or, you know, have, you know, whoever on while you're cooking. Yeah, exactly. You know, people are consuming this information in such various ways now that the podcasts are, are now never going to go away either. Right. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, I, I find myself still... You know, there is, I still find myself on some live programming. I've, you know, I have Sirius XM in my car and I love, this is going to sound, well, actually it'll sound fine on this podcast for everybody listening to this because this is a business podcast, but I listen to CNBC all the time and I'm, I listen to podcasts and I listen to books too, especially if I'm in the gym, I'm pretty much always doing a book. I'm, I kind of do this mind body workout every morning. But I, I love hearing about the market and hearing about what's hot and, and see where Spotify is going. And, you know, and, and especially now because it's so digital and it's so media driven and it's like this is my world. And so I the whole world right now is is, you know, Amazon, Spotify, Netflix, like this whole talking about this whole transformation, Apple. Yeah. Um, and, and to cut you off right there, it, 
it's no longer TV and radio to me. It's it's video and audio. It is. So so that CNBC that I listen to, that's actually their daytime TV. They put it on audio in their satellite radio station. You can still listen to it all the way through, no problem, for hours. Like you don't need the the, the visual element of it. Yeah. Same thing with you know you see a lot of guys like Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick and all these shows now or TV shows that used to be TV are now are both but yeah that's that's you know where this is going you can't just be an audio guy you can't just be a video guy you have to be able to expand and do both and have the web component to go along with it and and all of that so that's how the industry is completely evolving yeah uh, what is your opinion on the way that traditional media is moving right now in general i mean are there some legs that you think uh, are gonna run longer than others like radio versus tv versus newspaper i mean just what's your view as someone who's been on the traditional side pretty much your whole career what's your view on it right now you know, I still think they're all going to be there. But like I said, you have to be able to do more now. You can't just be a radio guy or you can't just be a TV guy. I mean, hell, look at Altitude, for example. You have Vic, you have Scott, you have Mosier, all doing TV and radio. You have Yeah, and you guys are streaming on Twitch. Yeah, and uh, Ryan Harris, who does a million things. And, you know, all these Vic's guys... Vic's really good at digital media. He is. He's great. And so... Being able to adapt, I think there's always going to be a need for television. There's always going to be a need for radio, but it's how you access that. And you're going to access a lot of that digitally. And so, you know, being able to take all those components and have them accessible via the Internet is is huge. And you have to be able to do that. And that's, I think, where the industry is going. They're not going to go away. It's just going to be how you consume those those mediums. Yeah. So. When you think of radio now in the podcast world, like I noticed the one thing that a lot of radio stations do is they repackage their shows and put them in podcast. Do those perform well? Because those seem, it doesn't, it seems a little off podcast to me. Yeah, that's traditionally been how people handle podcasts on the radio. Yeah. And to me. Because like. Almost calling it a podcast, I don't feel like that's an actual podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Neither. saying, hey, you missed the show, you can listen to it online. But to me, a podcast is original content. And so I think there's great need for the live content, being able to interact with the hosts. And uh, you can still do that on a pod. But, you know, having that reaction, being able to talk about stuff as it's happening rather than just react to it i think there's always going to be a need for that especially in sports talk radio but i don't necessarily consider that podcasting but it's still a great way to be able to re-listen to a show or if you're a fan of a show and you have a dentist appointment or whatever you can't listen to it that day it's it's good that you have a way to go back and listen to it but it's not an original content podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And you've seen a lot of guys, too, doing, doing unique podcasts separate from their radio show. Sure, sure, absolutely. How do you look at social media combined with media, and, and what do you, how do you think media people should operate on social media? 
Social media is huge, and you have to be careful. We saw an, uh, an incident this week. Yeah, and DMAC, man. I love DMAC, man. He's a great guy. Anybody who's ever met DMAC knows he's a good guy, and, you know, that's a... That, that's pretty I mean that's that's straight bullshit that people are are dragging him for that's clearly a typo DMAC would never yeah tweet that ever like he would never text that he would never say that like I know DMAC he would like it's, guys had a rough go of it yes but again that's that's another thing where you know this is the day and age we live in you always have to cya and you have to be careful and you always have to think about what you say and who yeah. you criticize and 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 everything like that i think social media is great to have fun and interact and get information i don't take it too seriously i have fun with my account but you know that's always something you're worried about there are times where um, Man, I tweeted some wild stuff. Back even the there was there was a thread a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember the exact purpose of the thread or what it was about. I think it was Allie and Lindsay talking about pineapples on pizza or something. And so I'm going back and forth, and and I made a joke to Allie that I knew was fine. But after I sent it, like a couple minutes later, I was like, somebody might be reading that and and not take it the same way you know <laughs> so i what was it i i tweeted it was, i tweeted a gif of like go to your room or something like that like oh, so, like oh. a cartoon okay. saying like okay. go to your room and so i was like oh gr-, like i don't want the perception that oh there's this guy telling this girl in media how to act right 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 and if they don't know you or something yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, so yeah, yeah. You you have to be mindful of that stuff now, and sure, and sure. I knew I knew it was harmless, but I still sent Ali a, uh, a DM. I was like, I yeah, mean yeah. no. Yeah, being able to tackle difficult topics uh, without being controversial is is a is, is I I do I kind of do it a little bit on Twitter, uh, like just some of the opinions that I have and stuff. But yeah, I mean it's 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 super touchy. It's super easy to get dragged. You know, the thing about DMAC is, like, he is the... How many times has he tweeted something that makes no sense because he never looks? Right. Like, he's known for tweeting during training camp, like, misquoting, like, miss... He never looks. Like, and he just lets it go. Like, and he just keeps... And, like, he's known for that. Yeah. He's known for just jamming these messages out, you know? It's but, unfortunate, and, you know, I hope... I hope it doesn't ultimately cost him his job. I mean, it's crazy. We've seen, I mean, how many people have we seen on their fault or otherwise, just social media in general has impacted in Denver sports. I mean, think about it. Terry Fry. Yeah. Adrian Dater. DMAC. I mean, I I probably should have been fired a couple times. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> you, just ha- you just have to be careful and, you know... It's a cliche, but once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. And whether it's an innocent mistake in this case or yeah, or yeah, not. Yeah. And so even if you think it's a private message, it's it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. That's definitely sure. That's definitely true. Yeah, well, this is crazy, man. This is I great. Mean, how many draft picks have we seen in the last few years digging up a tweet from when these oh. guys are 12? Oh, I still can't believe that's a thing. I can't believe these guys don't have someone scraping their accounts the second they enter an agency. Yeah. It's unreal. It is unreal. It really is. It really is. Well, 
Yeah, this was awesome, man. I guess it, let's just kind of end with a couple and then we'll go to the final round. If there was one overlying message that you had to people trying to get into media or maybe the way they look at media or, you know, altogether, just a message, I guess, to the group that looks up to or is trying to get into media, you know, I what would that be? And, and, and maybe that's a you want to talk about a misconception or maybe that's just a message or I don't know. But yeah, the, the one thing I would say is, you know, you have to make connections. You have to do whatever you can to put yourself that, out there. Yeah. Build yeah. relationships, make connections, yeah. I was still in school. I had just started school, and I was downtown at a bar with a buddy of mine after a Rockies game or something like that. And I ran into Benjamin Hockman, who was at the time the beat writer for the Nuggets at the Denver Post. And I went up and I introduced myself, and I said, hey, I'm a student at the Colorado Media School now. I'm trying to get into the industry. Would it be cool if I hit you up sometime and you came on as a guest on my school station? Mm. And, you know, people are willing to help. Yeah, I will literally help anybody who asks me. Yeah. Literally every single DM. If someone says, even people say, hey, can I can I talk to you? And just ask you some questions. Sure, set a time with my calendar. Yeah, and, and so I think there's a lot of people out there like that who are who are always willing to help, always willing to give advice. But you have to be the one to step out of your comfort zone and approach those people, whether it be in person or via email or Twitter or or whatnot, to try to make those connections to seek that advice because they're not just going to offer it to you. You have to seek it, and the other thing is just. You know, like I talked about that work ethic, you have to be willing to do anything and be a sponge and and go above and beyond and work your ass off and do everything that you possibly can. You know, my wife, you know, we've had our our challenges (laughs) with me working through this industry, as I'm sure sure you have. Um, You know, she's she's told me a time or two that, you know, my schedule, you know, whenever, whatever it may be at the time has been difficult on her. And I, and I sure. understand that. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. And it is tough. You have to find that balance of your home life and your work life and do everything you can to still maintain your relationships. I have two young daughters. And so try to do everything I can for them. And at the same time, still grind and still do everything I can. Because even though I've you know, been in the industry for 10 years now, that doesn't mean anything. If I still want to grow and I still want to do new things, you know, I can't get complacent where I'm at. I still have to keep proving myself on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. And it's so true. I want to actually, before we jump out of here, you have a crazy story. Your parents were stuck on a cruise ship yeah. With uh, didn't someone get COVID and die on it? A few people died. <clears throat> and yeah. this was early on in the pandemic. This was like March. Yeah. So they went on this. They were cruise. trapped on there. My, my parents go on a lot. Of, you know, my mom's retired. She still does a bunch of stuff. But my dad is, you know, he's not working as much as he used to. And my parents have really gotten into travel and taking cruises and exploring the world, which is totally awesome and I can't wait to do that someday but they flew into Argentina and then they were taking a cruise through South America and this was at the beginning of March and the whole time they're on the boat and you know you're hearing about the coronavirus but it's not really in the U.S. at the time and all of a sudden you know people are starting to take it seriously 
my dad actually texted me because they were still on the boat Friday, March 13th, when the NBA decided to shut it down. Like, oh my God, the NBA's shutting down. What's going on? How is it there? I'm like, people are freaking out. It's getting crazy. We had, you know, you had the opening here. Yeah. And there were no games. And it was, it was totally bizarre. And everyone's still cautious of it, but doesn't really know what's going on yet. But my parents, they're on an isolated boat in South America, which the virus hadn't really got to yet. So they're fine. Then all these South American countries are stopping ships from docking and, you know, taking flights to and from the U.S. So what are they going to do? So the cruise ship ends up, instead of dropping them off in South America, they have to sail all the way around to Fort Lauderdale. And... They make a couple stops here and there to resupply and do stuff. For the first week or so, my parents still had full reign of the ship. They were able to enjoy the entertainment, have drinks with their friends, hang out, all of that. <laughs> because everyone... That's you know, crazy. But but they were... But, you, but you're talking about quarantine. I know. None of these people had been off the boat right, in 14 right, days. Right. Sure, sure, sure. So then all of a sudden, there's a day where... They, the ship announces a, an unusually high amount of people have gone to the infirmary with flu-like symptoms. Oh, my and God. So at the time, st- then still, it's just like, ah, you don't know. Like, but obviously, they must have picked up the virus at one of these you know, filling stations where they you know, were restocking. And then, then they're on, on to Fort Lauderdale. And, and what became really frustrating was the communication between the ship and the passengers because mm. my dad was finding out information about what was going on the boat from news outlets before he was finding out mm. from the ship. Yeah, they're so, trying to make sure there's no hysteria there in the yes, ship. So he had read an article about what was going on on the boat from some newspaper in Florida. Unreal. And he was like, this is completely untrue. So he ends up emailing the the reporter and saying, "This I'm on the boat. This is not what's happening. They get back to him and say, can we correct the story and quote you? He says, sure. And pretty soon my dad's on Fox News. He's on a couple <laughs> of news stations here locally. Yeah, yeah. People are trying to do interviews with him. But they found out via, t- my dad said he found out via Twitter that the first passenger had died on the boat before the ship had announced it. And so then everybody's starting to get pretty nervous and everything like that. And then they're docked in Fort Lauderdale I believe it was Fort Lauderdale, and they're not telling anybody when they're able to go home. Just one day they knock on your door and say, all right, your time's come, let's go. And so my dad's in contact with Michael Bennett's office and the Senate trying to get some information and all this different stuff. And it was a really kind of a scary time. And, you know, my parents came back and they were both pretty sick. And at that time, they still couldn't get a COVID test because they weren't showing any loss of oh, breath. Oh, yeah, we didn't have a lot of tests yeah. then. Yeah, And yeah. so it's it, kind of ridiculous that they were, they were on that for a month and still couldn't qualify for a test. But uh, my dad actually had a, a physical not too long ago and, and tested positive for some antibodies. So, you know, both my parents, you know, luckily did not show any severe symptoms but it was a it was a crazy time for sure 
That is insane. Yeah, I remember you sending me the video of your dad on TV. Like, I was like, wow, this is weird. So how long were they on the ship total? A month? Yeah, a little over a month, I think. That is unreal. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Okay. Let's do some, uh, before we go to the final round, last question is uh, predictions on Nuggets and Avalanche playoff series. Right now, as of this recording, the Avs are down 0-2. Nuggets are down 1-2. Or 1-3. 1-3, 1-3. Yeah. We're in the trough so, of sorrow. Yes, yes. I'll be honest, my optimism meter is running pretty empty right now. <laughs> it sucks to say that. I don't know what we did to anger the sports gods, but... I don't know if someone needs to sacrifice a goat over at Pepsi Center, but it's uh, it's been a tough go the last week and a half. And I'm still holding on hope for the Avs. Last night, outside of Was a Was that nine- a Jewish joke, by the way, the goat sacrifice over at the Pepsi? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, outside of like a nine-minute stretch, the Avs win that game. And... I still think they have the best player in the yeah, world in Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, and when you have yeah. the best player in the world, anything can happen. But losing Grubauer, losing EJ, those are massive losses. And to be down 0-2 on top of that, the good news is is now you're not going to Dallas down 0-2 and, and playing in front of that home crowd. They're right, still right, in the right. bubble. Yeah, so that's true. that should take a little bit off of it. So I'm still holding on hope that the Avs can come back. Unfortunately, I I don't know what's going on with the Nuggets. You know, there's even if Gary Harris plays tonight, the way Utah's shooting the ball. I mean, his uh, like Donovan Mitchell. I don't think shoots like that against Gary Harris, though. He might not, but it's not just Donovan Mitchell. Conley's knocking down threes. Ingles is knocking down threes. Jordan Clarkson's knocking down threes, and you needed. You need a better team defense philosophy than what the Nuggets are doing. You know, Chris Webber was laughing on the broadcasts on TNT, just going, this is the same play because the Nuggets can't stop it. And I don't know if Gary Harris alone can fix that. And even if he does play, how healthy is he? Can he, you know, what are, what are his minutes? Is he going to get 20 minutes? Is he going to get 10, 15 minutes? You know, so it's hard to say. And I would love for them to come back. I, I, I think they win today. I do think they get mm. a win, push it to game six, but I don't see it going much farther I than that. I could use a win for sure. We could use a couple. Totally. I know you guys could definitely use a couple. Yes, that would be good for business. Okay, final round. Most important book to you ever. I came prepared for these questions because I hear it on the podcast <laughs> every day. But the most important book to me is... Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. And that the story notes. behind this was I was in, I believe, 10th grade, and my English teacher was my favorite teacher. His name was Mr. Graham. And we had to do an assignment where we all had to draw an American author's name out of a hat, read a couple books, do a report. And I drew Kurt Vonnegut, who I had never heard of. And Cat's Cradle is a book... It has a little sci-fi feel to it, but really kind of talks about science and religion and power and and touches on all these philosophical things, but in a dark, funny kind of way. And that was the first book that I think I read that really, really like kind of made me think about life in a different way. 
and different things and different philosophies. And I instantly became a really big Kurt Vonnegut fan and read a lot of his books. But that's the one that always sticks out to me is is what kind of got me interested in reading again. That wasn't just for school or anything like that was was that book. And it's, it's funny. It's a little dark. It's a little weird. But, you know, if, if you've read anything by Kurt Vonnegut, he's all of those things. Uh, most underrated athlete of all time. I had a lot of trouble with this one, but a name that came to mind, and it's hard to even say he's underrated, but first name that really kind of came to mind for me was Tim Duncan because mm. early on in his career, yeah. I never appreciated him. Later in his career, I did appreciate him. <laughs> now I, I catch myself forgetting about Tim Duncan. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and he was so good, and his teams were always so good. And he was in the playoffs every single year, you know, five-time champion and, and you know, everything. He's He just did. Yeah, he's so underrated. And, and he, like, if you mention him, people are like, oh, yeah, one of the greatest players of all time. But, you know, you talk about five-time champion. You never like, hear Tim Duncan, like, in a who's the best basketball player of all time. And I'm yeah. not saying he is. Right, but right. But he's, he's never in those kind of conversations. But he was amazing. He was amazing. And the other name that, that pops in my head is Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham, and, yeah. And I wish Randall Cunningham played in today's NFL. Because if he played in today's NFL, he might be the greatest quarterback of all yeah, time. Yeah, he was amazing. You know who uh, LaDainian Tomlinson is kind of like Tim Duncan without the championships? A little different in, in football, uh, in basketball. Once you're that team, you have you kind of have that chance. Yeah, but but yeah, Ladainian Tomlinson's like someone could argue that Ladainian Tomlinson's the greatest running back of all time, and like it's a legit argument. Yeah, right. Like you have a guy that ran for like 30 touchdowns in a single season. Um, Whenever he played the Broncos, every time he touched the ball, you were hoping it wasn't breaking yeah. for a touchdown. He pretty much like 2,000 total yards, like. A million times, you know, between receiving and rushing. And, like, top whatever in the all-time rushing, 15,000 rushing yards, whatever it is, like, he's right there. But you will but you won't hear that name next to Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, like, all, whatever those guys are, you know? Yeah. It, it's hard because getting into a Hall of Fame at a pro level is kind of the recognition a lot of these guys deserve. But you can still be a Hall of Famer and still be vastly underrated, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the business or the space that you're most excited about in the near future. I know RK kind of touched on this in the very first episode of this podcast, but for me, it's the gaming industry and and how the gaming industry interacts with like the, sports with betting media. and stuff. Yeah, mm. and and I'm just envisioning like alternate broadcasts where. They have the over-under point total up on a window and every basket that's knocked down and you have a running of that and you have analysts breaking down live lines and player props and what's going on and how what's happening, what's happening on the field is affecting these lines and, and doing all that and, and how that's becoming you know, much more mainstream. I mean, if you think of how far fantasy football has come in the last 10 years, that's to me where gaming's going right and it's going to far exceed that in my opinion so i think there's just great opportunities for like i said alternate broadcasts different con ways to create content and have fun and bring 
more casual fans into these games to get invested, not just with their money, but entertainment. Yeah, I love that too. That's, you know, our partnership with DraftKings has been huge and it's been, you know, our biggest partnership ever. And it really just is, it lines up with what we do and what, in sports and digital. And I mean, it's just, boom, it's, 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 it, it really, it makes games fun. You don't even have to bet like thousands of dollars. Right. You don't have to put, you don't have to make the stakes high or put yourself in yeah. danger. It's just fun to like. And I think that's a lesson that everybody learned when DraftKings and FanDuel first came out as, you know, daily fantasy players. It was, this is your chance to win a million dollars. And, and I don't think marketing that way is productive. Yeah. I think the approach everybody's taking now is this is a form of entertainment. You know, we're not saying you're going to get rich because the odds of that happening are right. pretty slim. But instead of dropping 20 to 40 to $100 going to the movies, because that's how much that costs now, now you can, you know, enjoy that entertainment watching a game. Yeah, yeah. Have a little skin in the game. Yeah, I mean, and it makes it makes games interesting, too, for the casual fan. Like, if you're not a Nuggets fan or a Jazz fan, but you decide to put, you know, even five bucks on the, the Nuggets tonight, you're going to watch that game. You're going to be invested. You're going to want to see what happens. And, and ultimately, that's how fans are made. All right, man. Hey, this was great. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, man. It was great to see the the bar again. You've done a great job, and I can't wait to get back. All right, man. Thanks, Dan.